0: So, if I were to tell you this week was interesting, underselling it, if I was to tell you this week was chaotic, hmm, getting warmer, but still underselling it, if I was to tell you this week was just probably the most historic week, maybe. This week has been literally so I'm get, I, I write my, my notes happened all throughout the week just to give you some BTS behind the scenes. And this week I was like, man, feeling kind of lazy. I'll take notes here and there, I'll, I'll remember everything, all right? Which never happens. And I legitimately, by the time Wednesday night ended, had maybe a page and a quarter done. By the time we hit Thursday midnight, Friday morning. I was three pages in. <laughs> this week has been one of the craziest weeks. The end of an era. The continuation of a hell of a year for a tag team. Um, broken noses, new CEOs, walkouts, cuss outs. The only thing they're missing is the oh my. Holy crap, what a week in professional wrestling. And then it coincides with the return of San Diego Comic-Con. And it's funny because this will be the first time in history of this podcast where we're going to actually have a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday show. So this week's Wednesday show has already been recorded for a few weeks now. as an interview. I really want you guys to hear it. And so I said, all right, cool. It didn't hit me until, I think, Friday, early Friday morning. I texted a couple people, and I said, it just feels different. I was watching the news randomly, and San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con back, and I said, man, it just feels right. And honestly, last year, even when I was on the con scene, it didn't feel like the Comic-Con scene. It definitely felt like, all right, we're trying to have fun in a COVID world. And seeing the excitement, seeing the frustration, uh, <laughs> it it just felt right that San Diego Comic-Con was back. So, well, obviously, the Monday show won't change we have the interview on Wednesday. The Tuesday show will be me reacting to everything from Phase Five and Phase Six of the MCU to the Rock and the cast of Black Adam being booed for reasons. Um, we're gonna t- touch we're gonna touch on everything. My thoughts on it. I felt it was too important to just let it go for a week without going on, and so I say you know what, let's just do a Tuesday show knock him out it'll be great so we're gonna start with the news of the week i think this is until marvel dropped the bombs that they dropped this was the news of the week for just entertainment in my opinion vince mcmahon at 77 years old has retired he will not be a part of the creative he is completely retired he still has 80 of the shares Um, But he's no longer the owner, no longer the CEO. We have co-CEOs and Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon. This has been one hell of a first part of the year for the McMahon family. Think about this in context. Shane McMahon makes a surprise return to the Royal Rumble to no one caring. But then it's come out the next day. Shane has massive heat because he was trying to put himself over in the Rumble. And just rub people in the wrong way. So Vince ended up having to send his son home. Fast forward. The 2 deal that MLW had, which is a lawsuit still going on, um, uh, impl- just implicated the new CEO, Stephen Mann, in the worst way. Because apparently she made the phone calls herself. She didn't send an underling to, to say, hey, that situation at the docks, Handle that. I don't even know how it's done. Just make sure it's handled by tomorrow night, right? She goes and does it herself. And in the process, takes leave of absence. Now, if we want to go deeper, last year, around the same time, Triple H ends up having some really bad heart issues. But at the same time, they're dismantling his team in XT. We know it's going to be a whole, take, a whole new takeover. But quietly, they were dismantling Stephanie McMahon's team as well. So the people we thought were going to take over were essentially assed out. Then all of a sudden, what, two weeks ago, reading an article saying that Triple H was back at the PC. And he said he couldn't really say anything at the moment, but he's back. That's what he was reportedly telling people. All of a sudden, the news I guess just completely ignored because of Vince retiring on Friday was Triple H is back of being over talent relations. And I was like, oh, okay. As more and more of the story comes out, turns out this decision for Vince to retire was made 10 days ago. So even when he was still making appearances on random shows, he already decided, hey, I'm just going to retire or whoever decided for him. So now we don't know who's going to be have creative. As of Friday, this past Friday, it was Kevin Dunn and Bruce Pritchard that would have creative. But we don't know what it's going to be like moving forward. Um, Bruce Pritchard was reportedly, um, even though no one wanted him to have that position, he reportedly did a great job in a role that he didn't necessarily want. And now comes the moment of truth. I remember years ago, years ago, it was rumored that Kevin Dunn was not very liked by Stephanie or Triple H and that whenever it's their time, he's going to be moving forward, moving on um, via them. I wonder what's going to happen with that. And so we have all these new pieces in place. And it's just shocking for one, and I said this to people. people, people said, um, hey, you know, I thought you said he wasn't, I said, well, if they're still going to do, I said, my exact words were, if more and more stories come out, he's going to be forced to retire, but if that was, it was just that one story about someone taking an NDA and then the friend came out, no, you no, know? I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm, I came 100% sure. Sorry, I don't know why I, I, I've been fighting y'all for like the last two minutes of recording. Not nah, supposed to fuck. Fuck, it, I'm letting it out. Um, I am. I am pretty sure. So I've seen a few NDAs. I am pretty sure. If if he wanted to go after some of these people, he could, because there's definitely some. There's definitely some. Something going on with that. I just I, I think there's a protections in NDA for stuff like that. Anyways, this is it's the end of an era. He's obviously the greatest promoter in wrestling history. Tony Khan is now the longest reigning promoter in <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> he, he couldn't help himself. He could, it is a, and that's all. It was hilarious. Actually, I know some people didn't like it, but that was hilarious. Um. Vince's legacy will be. I see Vince's legacy. Like I see Ben Roethlisberger. And for and for those of you guys who don't know sports, Ben Roethlisberger uh, is a two-time world heavyweight champion. Yeah, two-time champion in the in, in NFL. He's been the three Super Bowls, and he's a Pittsburgh Steelers legend. However, his history is marred with the fact that he's had a couple sexual assault things going against him, uh, or settled. But essentially, it's part of his legacy. I see Vince in the same light. For everything he's done for wrestling, you can't say everything was good. Which is fine. But even Vince has said when he bought his dad's shares of the WWWF, he said his dad, if his dad would have known what he was going to do, he wouldn't have sold him his shares. And so he had this plan of going global, national. And at the time, everything was original. WWWF was good in their market. They never, needed, they never needed to leave. They were still at the Garden. They had Bruno. They had whoever else, right? And Vince then began to, you. Could, some people would say rating. I think it's rating to a certain degree. I think if people, certain promoters were already going out of business anyway, it's part of the reason why, the Briscoes, not the current, current tag team, but Gerald and uh, Jerry, the, the, the brothers, is part of the reason why they sold their shares of the company they were in because they saw it being just going downhill. It's part of the reason why Gorilla Monsoon sold him his his company. He said, all right, cool, I can't compete with this, and I'm probably going to have a job for life. And a lot of those guys had jobs for a very long time. Jerry, was, is it Jerry? Yeah, I think it was J- No, no. Gerald Briscoe and matter of fact, let's just look this shit up. Um, because I believe they had jobs. I, I know Gerald. Hold on a second. Crap. There we go. Yeah, Gerald Briscoe. Has passed away. Jack. Thank you so much, Twitter. Um, Jack Briscoe's brother passed I mean, Gerald Briscoe's brother named Jack passed away. And. They sold their shirts because they saw, you know. They saw Lifeline. Jack has passed away for a long time now. And. Um, You've you just kind of seen some people just being smart businessmen. And Some people saying, No, you're not gonna run this kid's not gonna run me out of business. This kid's not gonna, even though this, some of them were running themselves out of business. Um, like to me, Vern, Vern Ganya, great promoter, great wrestler. But when you have the constant issue of you being world champion all the time, you're not trusting, and, and yeah, you could justify it by saying, Sure, like I can't trust him, but yeah, but also, you when you when because he created Hulk Hogan, he created what we see today, it was brought to a national level. But it was created in the AWA. The problem was he didn't know the business side of things. Where Vince was doing merchandise and giving that 000.1% or just negotiating with talent better or just. He wasn't a wrestler. Vince wasn't because he didn't need. He eventually put the bell on himself, but it was all of 10 seconds. But these guys were wrestlers protecting their company. I can't be mad at that. I can't be mad at Jerry Lawler. And I'm all over the place, I get it. But his impact was more than rating. It was saying, hey, there's opportunity here where we can all do something special. And Vince couldn't have done it without the without the Pat Parsons, the mean Gene Oakland. He couldn't have done it without a lot of his talent and a lot of these people who were put into place in order for this company to be a success. So he takes it national, and then he has his plan to. Do WrestleMania. But before WrestleMania, we have a situation called Black Saturday. Where he essentially had bought the time slot. The 6.05 p.m. NWA time slot. He, he purchased it. It was all two weeks he had. And how they ended up even doing WrestleMania. Was Vince had an idea for WrestleMania. And it was a handshake agreement between Vince and Ted Turner. To have that slot. But when Vince was providing terrible wrestling. It was... Uh, Jim Crockett and his brother, who said, "Hey, how much does it cost to get our time slot back?" And apparently, it was a million dollars. And reportedly, Vince said to them, "I'm gonna this million dollars is gonna be worse than you think. I'm gonna make you choke on this million dollars." And next week, did when he had WrestleMania one, he took that money to put it towards WrestleMania one, which the success of it. If it wasn't happening, they were going bankrupt, and they didn't obviously. <laughs> So you have WrestleMania one, WrestleMania two, WrestleMania three, and you have this expansion like we've never seen before. Then we have the Monday Night. Well, let's just slow it down for a second. You have WrestleMania three that happens only because Vince sees that okay, we can wrestling can do bigger buildings. People love wrestling, so they did it. And even if it's not the number, they, just, they even if it's only seventy five thousand people, what hundred? Oh, no, thousand people. Like, is it? It doesn't matter. It was still a spectacle to see. You still you still see the the, the, the light, the, the flash bulbs from Hogan dropping Andre at the Body Slam. You still see the classic moment of Macho Man being rolled up for the one two three. It just made WrestleMania larger than life. So then we go to the mid '90s. Vince is struggling. Like I said this before, some of my fondest the years I will never forget is '96, '97. I will be dead and gone in heaven to hell, whatever, wherever, whatever exists. And legitimately, I will be able to recite 96, 97 years from WWF. It's just one of those things where Jim Cornette said it on a uh, KFM commentary release. He said these, well, he said it was more of 97, but I see 96 as and 97 as the two years that were needed to kickstart the attitude era from the WWE perspective. You needed Shawn Michaels to have the boyhood dream moment. You needed Shawn Michaels to slowly descend into this heel turn that took a full two years for him to finally embrace, right? Because Shawn was always a bad guy. Good babyface, but always a bad guy. It took two years for WCW to really know, okay, we have something special here. They knew they had in the middle of 96, but as as, they, as things just got hotter and hotter, you just seen the confidence growing now. And to me, he outduled Eric Bischoff after losing for 84 straight weeks, and then all of a sudden he's the king. He buys his competition for reportedly two million dollars or whatever it was between two and five million dollars. I think it was two million dollars because even Jericho said Jericho said I could have afforded it, so it was like two million bucks that's saying he couldn't afford 5 million poor him right he could however then you just see this it's just they were already global already but then you see this this expanse you go from Jack Pacific to Mattel you you just keep broadening your horizons and he once again he's the face but I'm pretty sure other people in his ear are like hey you know should probably be trying this. Try let's try this. Let's do this. And he's once again had some good calls, some bad calls. That's just the way it is in business. That's the way things in are in life. He is without doubt, the greatest wrestling promoter of all time. No one's gonna ever top him. Um But part of his legacy are these um not just these NDAs, but his history with women. His history with a briefcase, supposedly, according to Superfly Jimmy Snicker. He was accused of this before. with that one? with the? I'm not gonna say her name anymore, cause she's she seems to have. Even if she's not gotten over it, she's moved on. But he's had this history since the 80s with women. Um, so this will be a part of his legacy. Um. Me personally, I I remember this vividly. I having, this is six years ago now. I was talking to somebody, and him and I just disagreed on wrestling, everything about wrestling. However, it made for great conversation between him and I, because we didn't agree on a lot of things. So hearing his perspective, he, li- he loved Braun Strowman, and as I said on this podcast, I just can't, I couldn't get with him, I couldn't do it. But the one thing I could recognize was he was over, until they made him not over. And I remember one time Vince McMahon came out on TV and everyone's celebrating him. I said, you know, the fans are just as big hypocrites as everyone else. So we talk about dude. This dude's creative has been shit for years. Why are they like praising him now and when he's out there? He's it's shit. Now in fairness, if you look at if you look at things deeper, the three-hour move to Raw or Raw doing three hours of wrestling, that was a USA Network because the numbers were so good. And if you guys remember, which. Don't know if you are doing that but the, the one thousandth episode of raw where CM Punk turned heel on the rock. He legitimately well excuse me, Raw legitimately did five million viewers or five point two million viewers. That was the highest they've that's the highest they have been in the decade. But that particular Raw got USA so excited they're like, no, let's let's not do these annual three hour RAWs or these um every now and then three three, three hour Raws. Let's do it permanently. That's hard to do. We see how hard it is for them. And they got formulaic. They got born. They got freaking terrible. And so we've, we've gotten what we've gotten. Some decent moments recently, but not. Not. I'm not to small attitude there. I'm just small in general. I, I, I feel like in that 2002 to 2006 or 7 area. We had Raw that was a variety show, and SmackDown was the wrestling show. And they both fallen off on hard times. However, a lot of that has to do with his creative, and him not being willing to change, or him being too afraid to. We heard the famous story from John Cena where he he told he's gonna go heel. He's legit got new music done, new outfits, and then Vince couldn't do it. It's unfortunate. But he is the greatest of all time, promoter-wise, in wrestling, and um, he's done a lot. But he has—he does have an interesting history that we can't ignore. You can ignore it, but don't make it seem like he's an angel. We're not. No, us are. However, what it comes down to is um, now we wait and see. People are celebrating this retirement. <sighs> Be careful what you... This this company is definitely selling now. Let's get that out of the way. This is all but confirmed it. However, be... I implore you, please be careful what you wish for because it can just... It it won't be pretty. (laughs) It won't be pretty, the early stuff. So, we still know who's in creative. We still know everything's going on. Um... But I'm looking forward to seeing the future of this company and seeing what happens and seeing how everything works out. So this is a longer than usual cold open, but I feel like I wanted to give just dedicate this time to this and then we'll get into all the aftermath and the fallout. So I'm so chemical. This is I see things a little differently. I'm going to hit the intro and then we'll be right back to it. hey guys welcome to the show i did can see things a little different that was a, a a bit of a uh long um cold open and actually get to get some more bts it wasn't meant to be a cold open so essentially i hadn't been let's go back to beginning of july i hadn't been sleeping well at all and what i mean i hadn't been sleeping well i mean i was like probably getting t- 40 hour 40 minutes a day let's say 40 hours and it was terrible i was so tired was exhausted like once i could really fall asleep was if i was like driving it was very dangerous right i just couldn't couldn't sleep and so my sleep has gotten better the last couple weeks which i've been super grateful for so yesterday i get home around like 4 30 and i take a couple bites of my food and um i'm gonna take a nap so i take some nyquil so I'm gonna leave because um, I, I still have a bit of a cough, but, it's only, but it feels like it's only when like I'm talking too much, and so I'm uh, talking a lot. And, my, and honestly, I don't talk a lot. The most I talk is usually on this podcast. So like but in my personal life, I don't really talk that much. So anyways, <clears throat> I sleep and I wake up a couple times, pee. And every time I wake up. Usually, if I wake up multiple times, usually a second time I'm I'm up right. I'm, I'm not going back to sleep. And it's three or four times I wake up going to pee. I lay back down. I'm back to sleep. I'm knocked the bleep out. So then I wake up. It's like nine o'clock, <coughs> and I'm like man, that was a long, long, a lot of rest. So then I'm kind of just like getting up. and eat. I eat. I eat. Going on the YouTube verse. And all of a sudden, I'm like, man, better record this podcast. So I'm recording the podcast. And as I'm recording it, if you guys could tell, I'm quiet at points because I'm holding back yawns. Finally, I just didn't let a big yawn out. I'm like, man, what's going on here? So as I'm talking, I realize, oh, I'm sleepy again. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Awesome. Getting some real rest. And as that's going on. I'm like, but I don't want to re-record this shit. Because <laughs> I was on the roll. I was. And so I finally said, so you know what? This is just going to be... I'm saying this in my mind as I'm still talking. I'm like, Man, this, is, this is just going to be a cold open then. So that's when I am able to stop, do a cold open. I go right back to fuck to sleep. Wake up like three, four hours later. And now I'm recording. It's actually early. What, 10, what time is it? It's four o'clock on Monday morning Um, as as we're talking. And I just was like, man, that was just fucking bananas, right? So, but yeah, that's why that was a cold open. It's because like I just my body just needed the rest, I guess. Uh, I was just pretty beat up. But anyways, welcome to the show. I said that was a funny story. We're going to talk about the fallout of the Vince McMahon retirement. So, Brian Alvarez reported that Lesnar had walked out once he heard of the retirement. Now, Lesnar ended up showing up and being... Uh, part of the main main segment of the show well apparently from Meltzer's sources essentially it was overblown but there was some some anger there and so they did have a script with him in it and a script with him not in it and so eventually things got worked out and he came back and obviously laid out theory but apparently this was a thing it just wasn't as big as everyone thought it was going to be um, I would have to assume that Lesnar just said you can pay the same amount anyway. They're not going to do anything different with Brock Lesnar. Let's just be real. Um, they probably just told me we don't, we don't know we're doing it. They probably said, hey, we, we, we have the plans that we set for SummerSlam. And after that, we don't know, which is fine. I mean, he's probably going to take another break after SummerSlam anyway. So it's not that big of a deal. But it's, the, but it's still fascinating how... There is going to be some fallout from this. There will be some people who don't want to work at WWE anymore. Some people who do want to work at WWE. Maria Kanellis just came out and said, until they're under new ownership, we're not working there. We're never going back there again. I don't think they're wanted. But, like, I mean, first of all, even if her husband isn't wanted, he's, she's so talented. She can do it all. Um, he's talented as well. But, like, I could see people who are saying, oh, I want to go back there now, you know. And even in like, look at the situation with uh, Max Dupree, L.A. 9. So apparently, Vincent Man was very hands-on with the male models thing. He really believed in it, and he told L.A. Knight that, or Eli Drake, whatever name you wanna go by. He said, "Hey, this character shouldn't sound anything like L.A. Knight." And so apparently, L.A. Knight was giving pushback to, "Hey, you know, uh, I'm not really seeing this. Like, like, how can I help make your vision come across without losing myself completely, et cetera, et cetera?" And apparently. That's why we got Sophia Cromwell to debut as Max, to be debut as Maxine, uh, uh, for male models, because apparently Vincent Man himself pulled La Knight off of the particular storyline, and so it's just very interesting to see all these things happening and how apparently La Knight got heat. I just don't think it's hard to get heat though. I just don't think it's hard to get heat. I think it's easy to get heat. I think it's, who knows how much he was pushing. But I've been told Sami Zayn, you know, we've all been told Sami Zayn's been hard to work with, right? Because he likes to talk out everything. Is that a bad thing, though? With everything with everything going on right now, is that really a bad thing? I'm just saying in general with wrestling, is there, is, is there, is there a bad thing to know what you're going out there to actually fucking do? It's, it's a different time. But um, I'm sure there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, but he did come back, Layout Theory. Um, speaking of Sami Zayn, he did. He is uh, dealing with a legit injury. We'll be ready in a couple weeks. And I did watch the awesome Podcast with Sami Zayn. He was super excited to be on there. Um, I'm assuming Kevin Owens will be up next. If, has Kevin Owens ever been on the awesome? Podcast? I don't think he has. Um, but personally, um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed how happy he was. I was enjoyed I enjoyed that he brought up so many different people's names that were a part of his journey and how uh he gave himself credit, him and Cesaro credit for um starting the the, the NXT black and gold away and it turned out to be. Um and I could agree with that. I do agree NXT was very much a it was a show. Um I do believe, I I, I don't I can't say for sure if that's the one match, but I do remember, remember that match being so much more different excuse <coughs> me than anything we had saw before. And so I was kind of just like, man, that seems that that seems pretty cool. Um, so I I'll take him as word, you know. But that that NXT Sami Zayn was a different Sami Zayn. It was a, it was just as much fun. Um, I think he's definitely grown into the role here. That's why I wasn't mad when he, when he signed a new deal because he said he was having fun. That's all, why not get paid for having fun for God's sakes, that's, that's pretty awesome, but I enjoyed it, I would definitely recommend it, it's like an hour and 35 minutes, something like that, but it's worth, it's worth a lesson. Monday Night Raw, oh boy, Titus O'Neil started off Raw, and I remember watching this, this speech saying that WWE is a safe place, and I was like, oh, they sent, they sent the black guy out there, the one who was suspended by WWE and missed a man, cost him a WrestleMania check, because during the Brian, Daniel Brynick's uh, uh retirement, he just uh Titus just grabbed Vince say, hey, you know, let the leg go first. And Vince got super pissed off and pushed away, and um, then suspended him. At first it was like a wasn't like a it wasn't a ninety day, it was a sixty day suspension. No, it was a ninety was oh. If I'm not mistaken, it was a sixty day suspension and it went down to thirty days. But they were so close to WrestleMania that he would miss WrestleMania, even if he's going to be just in the battle world. He's going to miss a WrestleMania paycheck. And I remember so many people were pissed off about this. And I remember someone had t- uh, tagged Batista, who was super close with Titus. He tagged Batista, said, hey, can you tell, someone to tell, uh, give Titus some advice. And Batista said, on Twitter, he said, yeah, I did. I told him to ask for his release. And I was like, that actually <laughs> makes sense. Like, they sent him out there to say WWE is a safe Place. and i've ever sat there and was like we all know what this is about like what are we doing here we all know what this is all about like what are we doing like why are we like being those people right like why are they being these people but it was so ridiculous i actually wanted to watch it again because i thought it was so fucking funny just to send him out there to do it no one talking tyus o'neill in a ring in a very long time since he tripped in saudi arabia and he made fun of him Otherwise, no one's gonna believe it's a safe place because he's barely even fucking there. He's on the road being a brand ambassador, which is awesome for him. But for God's sakes, don't say something's a safe place when you don't even, when you're barely fucking there. I just thought that was fucking hilarious. Anyways, uh, going into SummerSlam, we have Logan Paul versus The Miz. That will be a one-on-one match, and that makes me wonder. I thought they were, I thought they would for sure save this for like the next Saudi show, the one-on-one encounter, or Clash of the Castle. But they're having a SummerSlam. I wonder what this means for AJ Styles and Champa. Will they be left off the card? Because right now there is no AJ Styles or Champa. And AJ Styles wasn't on the last on the last pay per view, was he? The last pay per view he was on was the May one, and that was because and that's frustrating at backlash. Um, otherwise, I'm curious to know where, where, where they're going to end up. Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair is officially set for SummerSlam. You could tell all their plans due to Naomi and Sasha walking out are all in flux. They, you can tell they just don't have, they just don't know. Um, so, because we're back to this now, which Becky like, should not win. Uh, Damian Priest and Finn Balor defeated Rey Mysterio, then they beat him down. Dominic tries to join the Judgment Day to save his father. They say, that's not how it works, kid. And they try to bash Ray's head in, and uh, it doesn't work because he runs away. This Monday, tonight, as you're hearing this, or before you hear it, whatever, they will be selling, celebrating 20 years of Rey Mysterio at Madison Square Garden. And actually, I put together a list. And honestly, this was a tough list because I couldn't think of 10 moments that I truly enjoy of Rey Mysterio in WWE, like specifically WWE and not like ECW, WCW, Lucha Underground. So I have nine, my top nine Rey Mysterio moments. And um, here, here they are. Number one, no specific specific order. You guys know how my lists are. Rey Mysterio winning the world title at WrestleMania 22. I think it was one of the best triple threat matches that was clearly, clearly rushed. Um, Yeah, Randy Orton, Kurt Angle, the world heavyweight champion, and Rey Mysterio. And I remember I was watching, I think I ordered this pay-per-view. So I ordered it. And I remember saying to myself, man, this is a good-ass match. And it ended so fast. And I was like, man, what the what the bleep happened? And it turns out they were their their time was cut dramatically. The time was cut dramatically, and I think time was added on to the Shawn Michaels Vince man match. And I remember vividly saying to myself, man, this is such a match. I mean, I can't put up there like one of the greatest triple threat matches of all time because of how rushed it felt. They all got their spots in. It was just it just felt overblown, and over rushed. And Kurt Angle, who was a champion at the time. He didn't even lose the match. Uh, Randy Orton got pinned, and so Angle lost the title without him being pinned. Number two, his first WWE match featuring Kurt Angle. This match was fantastic. Um, this is his first pay-per-view match. He had just debuted in the company a m- less than a month before. Um, I will look out for this match. Hint, hint. It was fantastic. I, I think you should watch it. Number three, his match with Eddie Guerrero at WrestleMania 21 that opened the show. They were tag team champions at the time. Smackdown tag team champions. And Eddie Guerrero was in the, the, the midst of his heel turn. It was a slow heel turn. Um, but these two killed They killed it. Like, to me, WrestleMania 21, I don't even know how to rank it right now. But to me, that was one of the best shows top to bottom of all time. But it started with these two killing it. Number four winning the uh, SmackDown Tag Team Championships with his son, Dominic. Obviously, a dream of his. He he only re-signed to do that and have that moment, and so he had it, so that was good for them. Number five, when he retired JBL. JBL said on Twitter, he said, it couldn't be as good for A. To, to do the honors for him and retire him, it had to be the only one person that was Rey Mysterio Jr. Uh, JBL was in the midst of an intercontinental title run, and um, I didn't know he was actually retiring. And... Um, all we know is they had like a, what 20 second, 30 second match, and Ray took the Intercontinental title, and JBL afterwards cut a promo saying I retire, and that was it. That's last time we see him in the ring. Number six, winning the WWE title in a tournament. If you guys don't remember, this was such a blip, but uh, CM Punk walks out 2011. Now they have a tournament, and the finals are Miz versus Rey Mysterio. Cena was not in this tournament. And Ray defeats Miz, and then uh, John Cena comes out and says, "Hey man, you I just never shot the title, I never lost the title. I mean, I lost the title, but I never got my rematch." And then the next week, Ray lost to John Cena. Um, but still having the, the WWE title that's that's a big deal. Like to me, I, I said, I think I said this the other week on the podcast. To me, the WWE title is still the gold standard. Like the Universal title is cool, and uh, Roman Reigns has made um, has made it have its own identity. But to me, I think the list of WWE champions is like 50-something. That's not a lot of people have your, as your world champion um, over 40-plus years. Or, yeah, something like that. So that's a big deal, even having the championship. So that's pretty cool. Number seven. To me, this is probably my favorite moment. Uh, in honor of Eddie Guerrero. The 2006 Royal Rumble winner, where he knocked out two birds with one stone. He won for Eddie, and he also lasted the most time in the Rumble, taking it from Chris Benoit, which WWE is very lucky he did that. They did that. Otherwise, Chris Benoit would have the longest time in the Rumble, but it's actually Rey Mysterio. Um, but this was just a fun Rumble. and Him and Triple H started. Triple H uh, lasted until the final three. He got eliminated, then Randy Orton lasted the final two and got eliminated. This was just fun overall. Didn't expect to see this, and uh, it just was an amazing moment. Number eight, No Mercy 2002. The finals of a tournament to decide a new SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the first ever, and you had Angle and Benoit, who were the unlikely unlikely duel that had a team up, thanks to Stephanie McMahon, if they ever, and if they fought, they would be fired, versus Edge and Ray, got to the final... They had two of the most classic matches of 2002 in back-to-back months, and it was both times for the tag team championships, and it was just these four just had great chemistry, and um, the Angle Benoit dynamic was just, was just added more layer to the story, um, but this match was is classic. It's worth taking a, a watch. And number nine, Ray Mysterio vs. Chris Jericho, Bash of the Beach, Masters title. These two went through a, through a four-feud uh, for the Intercontinental Championship uh, in 2008. And they had one match where Mysterio's going for the six one nine, and Jericho wipes off his mask, and so Ray covers his face, and all of a sudden, um, they count the three count. I remember reading Jericho's book, and Jericho said specifically that they went to... Uh, Vince said, they told Vince what they wanted to do. And Vince said, there's no way you can pull that off. He said, show me. And so they did it in the ring. And Vince looked at Jericho and Ray and said, you have your finish. And he walked away. Um, And so they did it. And I remember it was such a clean spot. Such a beautiful spot that now it had to be title versus mask. Ray wins. The title keeps the mask, obviously. Um, But to me... Rey Mysterio is not the greatest luchador of all time, but he's the most important luchador, in my opinion. I know you have people like Mil Mascaris who are very important to the culture, very, very, but there's still people who don't know who Mel Mascaris is. Um, Rey Mysterio is, I say Rey Mysterio is the most important because I believe he bridges the gap of generations. I believe you know who Rey Mysterio is if you're a fan of the 90s, 2000s, or even now. You know what he's put his knees through, his bodies through. I feel like he's a guy that people can watch and just enjoy all of his style and enjoy the underdog moments. So, uh, congratulations to Rey Mysterio on being 20 years uh, off and on in WWE, and uh, here's 20 more. There's a rumor. Edge will make his return at Madison Square Garden tonight. So, um, that's going to be a very interesting thing to see if they actually allow the Judgment Day to beat him because Finn Balor should beat him. But from everything I've seen, Edge hasn't lost too many times since he's been back. So we'll see how that goes. And also the rumor is that Jeff Jarrett is only making a special guest appearance at SummerSlam because it's in Nashville. But this is a one-time shot, supposedly, as he does not have a contract for a talent contract with them. He just has a a working deal with them, which is why he can work the match that was just announced last week which is Ric Flair's final match, he's been building it up, is Ric Flair and Andrade tag-teaming against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Um, So, Jarrett's been feuding, he's been putting his thing over, he's Been on his podcast with Conrad talking trash about Ric Flair. He even attacked Ric Flair. I know Ric Flair is also also dealing with the injury. So they're building this thing up. StarCast 5 is next weekend, or this weekend, along with SummerSlam weekend. So uh, if you're interested in seeing that Ric Flair match, that final Ric Flair match, there you have it. Liv Morgan's push is due to Naomi and Sasha walking out. They need new top stars, and they felt that the fans would be behind Liv as as they've actually already been. Per Fightful... John Laurinaitis nice has been fired. It just not, it's been, just not been made official yet, but he has been officially fired behind the scenes. Cody, he wins ESPY for the best WWE moment with them having a torn, torn pack and still having a match. I can see that being a thing. Uh, AEW, let's test some AEW now. Wheeler, Yuta, and Jon Moxley defeated The Best Friends. Brody King defeated Darby Allin. The House of Black Destroyed. Darby afterwards Sting comes out he gets misted and face and beat down Miro's music hits and I was actually watching this and I said I'm interested to see what tunnel he comes up he came out of the hill tunnel and just stared at the house of black so I would have to assume and by the way at San Diego comic-con Darby got attacked again but I would have to assume we're heading to a six-minute tag and Miro's turning face but either way look at the house of black look at the options they have they're feuding with Darby and Sting and they're fe- and they're about to start feuding with Miro they're, they're, this is gonna be a live House of Black, and I am okay with that. But you're in the blade, defeated Dark Order until Hangman made the save. Christian Cage and Luchasaurus defeated the varsity blinds. Afterwards, Jungle Boy made his long-awaited return, and Luchasaurus went outside, and he turned, and he's still on the side of Jungle Boy. Christian Cage runs away. And Jungle Boy chases after I love how Jungle Boy did not just let him run away. He chased after him. I, I thought that was fucking fantastic. Now, up next will be the promo that we need from Jungle Boy to see the fire in him. Because he talks bad about his family. Really bad about his family. We need to see if Jungle Boy has that promo on him. I'm already, I'm rooting for him that he does. Ricky Starks defeated Cole Carter in an FTW title match. Afterwards, he made another challenge. Dan Housen accepted. That match happens this Wednesday... Dan Housen, Ricky Starks, the FTW Championship. Keith Lee and Swerve. They have new merchandise, new shirts. Kevin Gates, there was a bunch of rappers in Atlanta where there was Kevin Gates, I think it was a little scrappy. Uh, Jermaine Dupree walked out with fucking Che Cargill. Um, But they have new merchandise. Uh, Kevin Gates ends up punching out Tony Nese. Next week, or this week, excuse me, you have a handicap match. Swerve. Versus smart, smart Smart Mark Sterling and Tony Neeson in a handicap match. FTR cut one hell of a promo before their match with uh, the Briscoes. We're gonna get to that pay per view in a second, um, but that was pretty fun. Claudio and Gresham also had a really cool video package uh, that we're gonna get, so we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Chris Jericho defeated Eddie Kingston in a war in an over the top barbed wire everywhere match. This was all this this was all over the place. Interference was all over the place. It was just a shit show, um, and Jay turned heel in this match. I think it's the first. Well, I guess technically, Dark War were all heels. So air quotes. I'm doing air quotes. I'm doing air quotes. But um, <clears throat> excuse me. But um, she reunites with Take Conte and beating down Ruby. Uh, Ruby's gonna need some help, and I, I can't remember who, who was Ruby. T- was Ruby team with it was Tony Storm, and Tony Storm's currently in Thunderstorm. Chris Statlander is currently dealing with Jay Cargill. So I wonder who's gonna come out to help Ruby because now it's two women on one. This feud has to, this has to be building towards a tag team match. I don't know who's gonna help, but it has to be building towards something uh, in, in that thing. Uh, Jericho wins the match. He ends up breaking his nose on a terribly stupid cold breaker spot. Eddie Kingston has a steel chair barbed wire in his hand. He turns around, and goes to swing. Jericho hits the hits the code breaker, but you can see in the process, Eddie Kingston brings the chair down with him, obviously laws of gravity and you can see Jericho checking his nose immediately once he gets up and that's when his nose is like busted all open he broke it on that part though that was clear I, you could just see that coming I think like, uh, when, when, when Eddie Kingston went you could just tell him they're not gonna hit someone with a chair he had up hard. Like, he's not gonna hit with a chair I said coat no not the coat and you saw a chair hit his face like uh this was just a brutal match um in the end I think this has to be the end of the feud right because he t- Eddie Kingston tasted Jericho's blood Jericho got the win um, A. Kingston threw Jericho off the, the apron onto a bed of barbed wire. And it showed, AEW showed the, the footage afterwards where he was, uh, stretchered out. So that's, that was interesting. Um, but I have to assume that this is the end of the feud. Um, and we'll see where we we'll go from there. John Moxley. The rumor is he will headline all out no matter what. If CM Punk is ready, and I think CM Punk was at San Diego Comic-Con and he specifically said... Uh, he's learned how to walk in. He says pretty bad. He says feels like, He says his foot feels like it's on fire. But if CM Punk is not ready for the unification match and, and by All Out, Moxley will be the headliner no matter what. They currently don't have the, the second plan in place F who, for whoever that will be. But Moxley has been defending his AEW Interim World Championship the last couple weeks. He will defend it again this week, by the way. Mox also has a sponsorship with the non alcoholic Beer Company. It's a beer company he put over... After his uh, match with Tanahashi at Forbidden Door. So good to see that that happened for him. Kenny Omega. The rumor is he's set for a return very, very soon. So that's going to be a big name uh, just added back to the roster of big names. Matt Jackson, the stinger he got. He's going to be out for a couple more weeks as uh, he has full filling. He didn't lose any strength. So he, he got lucky. Uh, but it'll be good when he healed all the way up. And his, and his injury bug can go the bleep away. Eight-month timetable for Santana's return from torn ACL. But I believe his contract is up with AEW in September. So who knows if he'll even be back. It's clear Proud and Powerful are going to be not a thing anymore, unfortunately. Impact. Rhino was written off TV mainly because of him getting a legit hip surgery. So a healthy recovery to him. MLW to make an Atlanta, Atlanta debut on September 19th, Biff Busick taking time off from the ring. He had apologized on Twitter personally, to people who have been reaching out to him saying, hey, he just was gonna take some time to himself and figure some stuff out. So uh, good for him taking some time to himself. Tony Khan had announced that the Briscoes had signed long-term deals with ROH. So they're locked and stocked in for a very long time. He also said that ROH and AEW championships will remain separate. There will be no hybrid titles, no interim titles as far as, oh, excuse me, no hybrid titles, no combined titles, et etc. et cetera. And he also mentioned that Colt Cabana will be a huge part of ROA's brand moving forward as well. Um, that was a big deal just because um, a lot of people said when Colt uh, contract didn't get renewed, they're like, man, he's, been, he's such a good guy. He deserves a chance to. And, and you know, Tony Town's pretty solid about it, so it's good to know he's um, going to still be around for work. Death before Designer, the second pay per view under the Tony Khan regime. And promoters have had it rough the last couple of days uh, because there was some controversy leaving the show. And we'll get to that at the very, very end. But they did announce matches for Fighter Fest this week. Two we already talked about, but we'll talk about them here some more. John is defending the interim AEW championship against Rush, Thunder Rosa. Looks for revenge against Yamashita as she defeated as Yamashita defeated Rose a few weeks ago, which earned her this championship match. And finally, Brian Danielson will make his return to the ring against a Daniel Garcia who's going to be absolutely pissed after his uh unsuccessful try at the pure championship. But let's hit Death Before Dishonor. Dalton Castle and the boys, they win the Trios Tag Team Championships. This pay-per-view felt like okay, no, first of all for those of you who guys don't know, Honor Club has been suspended until November of this year. When it comes back, it'll be $9.99. The older members who have been, already been paid up and everything, theirs will be honored. No pun intended or pun intended. Anyways, theirs will be honored. It'll just pick up from your, your time will pick up from when it starts back up but they say something interesting in the press release about content coming in uh a couple days after um it airs so i would have to assume there's a tv deal wherever i don't know but i'm guessing my thoughts on this pay-per-view was this is to set the foundation for the rosters who will be the, the champions going in to the to the new era of it. It feels like Supercar of Honor will just to finish off storylines and get belts on people that they want belts on. It feels like Ring of Honor is setting up everything now. And look at their list of champions. It's all baby faces. It's all baby faces right now. That's going to change very soon. But, I feel like this is setting up for the RHTV deal. That's just my personal opinion. Wheeler Yuna retains his pure championship in a really good match. He goes to shake Diego Garcia's hand afterwards, which is Um, what they usually do. And Garcia gives the middle finger and walks out. And even gives the middle finger to the screen like the screen didn't do anything to you, dude. But anyways, Claudio. He, Claudio. He wins the ROH World Heavyweight Championship from Jonathan Gresham in a great match. Short match, but it was a good match. Um, Samoa Joe retains the TV Championship in a really good match between him and Jay Lethal. Mercedes Martinez retains her Women's Championship against Serena Deeb. And FTR retains in a hell of a bar burner. Tables, blood, guts, oh my. Um, It was ridiculous. The finish was ridiculous where Dax has, I think it was Jay, right? Piledress him from the second rope, turns him over, just puts his leg on top. One, two, three. They retain the tag team championships. This would not be the last time these two have a match. But oh my God, this was amazing. For me, nothing on top of the first one only because I was there. And I can tell you the atmosphere there. This was to be expected. But FTR just they're having the years of their career. And Dex Harwood, first of all, FTR gonna be the tag team of the year. Dex Harwood will be in the top twenty, top ten of best wrestlers in the singles department this year as well. Put money on that. Uh, but this was not all sunshine and rainbow. This came with controversy. Jonathan Gresham has reportedly asked for his ROH AEW release as it was reported that he was, you no know, heard cursing out Tony Khan. He didn't like the direction of ROH and where it was going uh, for his character. He apparently did not want to turn heel. Um, also, something weird happened in this pay-per-view where um, someone, I can't remember his name. I, I, I forgot to remember. Oh, ah, fuck. I'm not going to look it up. But he, oh, fuck, I'm look it up. One second. Prince Nana came on during a pay-per-view and said he had purchased um, Tully Blanchard Enterprises. So he managed Jonathan Gresham and he managed Gates of Agony and Brian Cage. Brian Cage even posted something on Twitter where it's a shirt of Tully Blanchard Enterprises' And he says it's here to get gone tomorrow. Well, there's no definitive update on Telly Blanchard. They don't know if he didn't show. They don't know what happened. But apparently, people who are in the know or people who were asked were told that Telly Blanchard no longer works for the company. I don't know what happened there. There's still too much on this that's that's too far away to even speculate. But apparently, Jonathan Gresham just didn't like that he hadn't talked to, and he had he had actually had an interview Gresham did where he said he hadn't talked to to Tony Khan much. Now, he didn't know what he thought of him. Uh, apparently, like, Gresham cursed out, you know, uh, Tony Khan. And, like, it's believed by insiders that Gresham's just going to take some time off away from the wrestling business. Um, it's not known if he's going to get his release or not. I mean, AEW doesn't really release people. Like, they usually just let their contracts expire. But Gresham just signed a new deal to be the R- in ROH, like, months ago. That's what, And this is why I was kind of hoping, and I said this last week. I was hoping... We all knew Claudio was going to get that belt. We all knew it. That's why I was hoping that Gresham held on to it, because he just got his first real big big exposure on television on Rampage. So I was hoping he would at least sneak by with it, but I think whatever happened with Tully Blanchard, it was clear no matter what after that, Gresham was losing that championship. He might have been losing it already, but he, lo- he was clearly losing it there, too. So, um, Anyways um that is your show for today um it's <clears throat> out early, later than usual usually it comes out around one but it's still early as fuck i'm up early as hell um so i hope you guys enjoy i hope you guys um have a great week um like i said we will have a monday tuesday and wednesday show this week tomorrow i'm actually gonna take a break from this get away i'm probably gonna take another probably go to sleep again It's is early as fuck Um, I'm going to record that Tuesday show. The Tuesday show will strictly consist of the announcements from Marvel and DC for signing signing to Comic-Con, and then Wednesday will be the interview. I'm going to wait and let that come out before I even say anything, so um, that's super exciting. Um, I'm so Chemical, and we are out.